Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined by Joe Cook, InsideTexas.com beat reporter for the Longhorns. Uh, Joe, you were uh, at the Steve Sarkeesian's press conference on Monday. Talked to him there. Uh, have been following the transfer portal for the Longhorns. Uh, uh, it has been a busy week, not only for the Longhorns, but for college football in general. Uh, I, I read a stat uh, earlier this morning that already more than 500 wide receivers and 500 defensive backs have declared for the portal. It's a lot. It's a lot of skill players. And, you know, most teams only play four at a time. And and the other thing is, you know, I think what's lost on a lot of people about the portal is that it is all levels. It's D1, FBS to D3. So, um, you know, yeah, there are players like, uh, you know, a handful of Ivy League guys who are trying to move up and, get a graduate degree, there's FBS guys trying to find a new place to go and may move down all different reasons. So, yeah, it's a wild time, and uh, we've been tracking it over at Inside Texas and, you know, across on three as well. Yeah, it, it's it's really crazy to me. Longhorns had seven guys go in on Tuesday. A kind of quiet day yesterday. Nobody knew other than a, a walk-on quarterback had, had graduated, Ben Ballard, a guy that had been in the program for a while. Never saw any – I think he took some snaps as a – uh, late replacement in, in some games, like a non-conference games, and handed the ball off. I don't think he ever attempted to pass as a Longhorn. Uh, but other than that, only seven scholarship guys went in the portal on Tuesday. Uh, it sounds like Xavier Worthy is leaning towards coming back. The news we get, other people have reported uh, out, out at USC, for example. Uh, they're reporting that they're hearing that Worthy is more likely coming back. We've heard he's more likely coming back. Uh, so that's good news for the Longhorns. Uh, but there are other guys that, that we're waiting to hear on. Um, Tavondre Sweat, uh, Jordan Whittington uh, have not signed with agents yet, to my knowledge. Uh, they're, they're both possible to come back. Uh, there are other guys, Jalen Ford. Uh, of course, we expect these guys to come back. But in the new age of the transfer portal, it's it's all kind of up in the air. And we just have to wait to see how it all falls out, right? Yeah, exactly. If you did this during basketball season, you note that a lot of guys would declare for the draft and also enter the portal. They can't do that in the N or with with the NFL, um, but you could see and, and basically for those guys, it kind of seems like we're waiting more on NFL draft declarations and any sort of uh, um, you know what, potential that they're going to go elsewhere because those guys have been Longhorns through and through. Jordan Whittington, Jalen Ford specifically, uh, so a little bit different process, but uh, we'll see you know just what happens. I think I, I haven't looked up the uh, the cutoff date for NFL declarations. I think it's in later in later in January, but you and I both know come Monday, that's when the floodgates really open for non-graduate transfers in the portal and uh, players whose head coach wasn't fired. They'll be able to jump in there and uh, set the world ablaze, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I find it interesting. A guy like Christian Jones, uh, who is a multi-year starter at Texas, he technically has one more year available because of COVID. Uh, I don't think he's coming back to the Longhorns, but is he going to test the NFL waters or is he going to look at NIL somewhere? You know, you just don't know uh, in this day and age. And, and I think the portal is being compounded, Joe, by the COVID year. Um, everybody getting that extra year. There are sixth year players now, technically, that are getting that extra extra oomph uh, as well. That's uh, complicating the portal. But uh, we'll see how this all comes out. We're, we're working on it um, and following it, of course, closely at InsideTexas.com. Uh, other news today, uh, news broke last night that the Rose Bowl had agreed to become part of 
uh, the college football playoff, clearing the way for a college football playoff. Then today, this morning, in fact, uh, the college football playoff committee announces that they're going to a 12-team playoff officially in the 2024 football season. Not this, not this year, obviously, and not next year, but the year after. And that happens to coincide uh, with the long, when we think the Longhorns are officially moving to the uh, SEC. Uh, what are your thoughts on the 12-team playoff and, and what was announced today? You know, I, I am kind of one of the people who doesn't like a big playoff. I like a, a regular season to where, you know, one or two slip-ups is all you get. Uh, it makes it that much more difficult to, you know, it, it, it makes the filter of great teams that much finer uh, to where only the best, only the teams that don't have very many flaws, at least at the college level or um, at least among their conference mates, make it through. If they're going to expand, you know, I, I kind of would have liked eight, but I like uh, 12's okay, um, especially when you add in the factor that they're going to have some playoff games on home fields. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it could be in Austin. It could be in Baton Rouge. Imagine mid-December with the game with so much implications surrounding it in any of these locations. Or imagine a mid-December game, let's say, if Wisconsin gets it going under Luke Fickle. Imagine if the Longhorns had to go to Wisconsin. Now, that'd be quite a trip. It'd be quite a change in environs, but it'd be something uh, to see that in, in mid-December in Madison. Just throwing that out there. So, did, did they come out with specific dates? Because I'm thinking about this. Um, there are certain places. Austin's not one of them. Uh, you know, if, if Texas has a playoff game in mid-December, even though the kids are off campus, there's not going to be a problem. Playoff game in mid-December in certain places may be a hard thing for the the the, the uh, student body to be part of. Um, not that it's going to be a, a poorly watched game or poorly attended game. It just you lose some of that home field advantage. I think. Did they give a time frame when those games are going to come about or a projection? Like, is it going to be? Is the first round going to be mid-December or is it going to be after the new year? Let's see. First round of the playoffs in 2024 will take place the week ending Saturday, December 21st, at either the home field of a higher seeded team or at another site designated by the higher seeded institution. So um, they're going to be doing it, you know, around state championship times in Texas, around state championship times in other states and in the dead of winter, um, right in the middle of the holidays and also against the NFL. So they're going to be taking some risks in this, but I, I, this is what the people wanted to see. They wanted more access, or maybe the people, the media, I don't know. They wanted more teams to have the chance to be like Cincinnati and, and have a seat at the table um, and have an opportunity to win a national championship. Um, and we're going to see that in you know just over two years now. So it'll be, it'll be the round of 12, which actually will only be four games, right? The highest – what's interesting to me, they're giving a – the uh, basically what would be five through eight. One through four, get a bye, right, in a 12-team play playoff. Five through eight are the ones that get a home field advantage. Uh, nine through 12 go on the road. That's interesting to me because then the teams with the best record never get to play at home, per se, uh, right? And they have to have the extra week off, which isn't necessarily a good thing that late in the year, uh, and it doesn't keep you as sharp. Um it seems to me like eight or 16 would have made more sense than 12. Uh, 12 uh, is kind of a, a, a weird number to me. It just doesn't make that much sense. But 
the other thing that to notice is that December 21st weekend is three weeks away. It's basically two and a half weeks away, excuse me, from the, from the, uh, the conference championship games. And if that's the case, Joe, uh, you're going to be looking at teams that are getting back in rhythm or four weeks away if you're a one through four team. I, I just I feel like there's some tweaks to this that could happen in the future. But the big news, obviously, overall, is, is that they're going to have this in general. Um, taking a step back from this, Longhorns, uh, talking about the college football playoff, obviously, I actually want to see if I want to see it, I wanted to see it be an even number like eight or 16 not where teams got buys, because I think that football, especially offensive football at that time of year, relies so much on timing and, um, you know, execution. It, it's going to hamper some teams that are the higher seeds, I think. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. All right, I, I want to go to the Texas basketball team right now because they have a big game coming up against Creighton tonight uh, in, in the Moody Center, right? Uh, you're going to be there, Joe. Uh, Texas is ranked what now in basketball? Number two in the country, right behind the U of H Cougars and the, the Blue Jays coming in as part of the Big 12 Big East Challenge of Creighton. They are number seven. And so, uh, you know, if Texas wins this, this will be their first top 10 win at home since they beat uh, Michigan State, I think either 12 or 13 years ago. And Draymond Green was still on one of those Michigan State Was teams. Gonzaga not in the top 10? Texas wasn't in the top 10. Oh, you mean Texas game. as the sitting top 10 team. Okay. Both teams in the top 10 at home. Okay. Got it. So this will be an interesting one. Uh, uh, Creighton's got some good depth. Um, they got some size up front that Texas didn't handle very well last year, especially at the end of the season when they were playing Purdue and, you know, at other points throughout the year. Uh, they've got a seven-footer who's going to really test guys like Dylan DeSue, uh, Dylan Mitchell, um, even Christian Bishop, a former Blue Jay himself. So this will be an interesting one. It's early. It's at 6 p.m. Central. So maybe some late arrivers at a typically late arriving crowd. But, uh, you know, another big chance, because if you look at Texas schedule, it's kind of, you know, you have some high teams like, you know, of course, the top of the Big 12, like Baylor, Kansas, even uh, Texas Tech, Tennessee's up there, too. Um, as part of the Big 12 SEC Challenge, you got some uh, teams kind of towards the lower end of the spectrum who are not going to be competing for a, even a bubble spot or will probably be one and done in their own conference tournament. So a win against a team like Creighton, who's probably going to contend to win a Big East regular season and maybe even tournament title, um, that'd be huge for the resume. And as the, the coming weeks you know pass by, there, there's going to be some softer opponents. And not this week. They go to New York City to face Illinois, I think, on Monday or Tuesday after this. Uh, but there's going to be some some softer teams on the schedule. And to be able to have this Creighton win and go through the rest of the schedule before the always tough Big 12 play starts, that'll be really important and prove that this Texas team really is for, re for real and deserving of its number two ranking. Yeah, the, they, play in the Madison, they play in Madison Square Garden on Tuesday night. Um, you know, uh, we look at this. Creighton is an interior first team, correct? 
Um, and so that puts Brock Cunningham, uh, even uh, uh, who are some of the other guys on the Dylan Dissou, uh, you know, those guys are going to have to uh, step up. Uh, even Dylan Mitchell from the wing is going to have to play some on the interior as well. Um, your thoughts right now on what you think Texas needs to do uh, to keep the, the, the momentum going in basketball, because I see a team right now that has three good guards and Serge Javari Rice, uh, Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter, uh, and then a supporting cast uh, that is really, you know, kind of anchoring the team around that. Um, it, it seems to me that, that, that Texas is just, it, they're such a good, I mean, I, they're ranked number two in the country, so I get it, but it seems to me they're just like such a good basketball team. They don't have what I would call many weaknesses at this point. You, you agree with that? Yeah, I, the defense has to carry over. Uh, that's that's the big thing is because when that starts to lapse and Chris Beard gets mad and the, the results aren't the same, um, it's been really strong so far. Uh, that's always a calling card of a Chris Beard team, and it holds true this year. Um, against you know some, I guess, lesser teams, and I guess to an extent against Gonzaga, they they – there were times when they shot the three ball terribly uh, to, to say the least. And Gonzaga, I think they shot it pretty well. Gonzaga themselves shot well, but it speaks to Texas ability to run in transition that they were able to, you know, kind of pull away from the Zags. So um, one thing that they're going to need to do is have those three that you mentioned, Carr, Hunter, Rice, they got to continue to shoot well. If not, then they're going to be playing, uh, you know, kind of tough it out, slog it out basketball inside the lane, uh, inside the the three-point line, which they're capable of doing. Um, but whenever they can shoot the three, some of the ways they've been able to over the course of this early part of the season, that just widens up the whole offense and makes it so teams really have to defend, you know, man-to-man instead of in zone. And you, some teams have tried to throw zone at them, um, and Texas has successfully just shot it over them. Uh, we'll see what happens with Creighton. But uh, good shooting, continued good transition play, and, of course, good defense – feel like that's a recipe for success for a lot of teams. But um, even so, I feel like this Texas team has a little bit more margin for error because of the defense they play and because of how high a pace they run. One more thing I want to talk about here, Joe, with you is uh, the Texas One Fund. It, uh, a lot of uh, uh, comments as the, as the portal becomes a, a reality in college football and, and college sports in general, uh, and that is NIL. And the Texas One Fund is the University of Texas's answer uh, to uh, that uh, predicament, I guess, uh, for Texas student athletes. Uh, the Texas One Fund uh, is basically it's been created uh, by a group of folks that want uh, everybody to have a place. So whether you're a football player, a basketball player, a baseball player, a tennis player, um, you as a fan can donate specifically to that sport. Um, every A lot of other places have independent ones. And, and at Texas, there were a, a number of independent ones uh, being run, one for football, basketball, baseball. And they all came together a couple of weeks back. Uh, and they've gotten some uh, really good uh, press from and support from the university in the last uh, month or so. Uh, and I want to make sure that people knew that if they're interested in contributing to uh, NIL for University of Texas student athletes, they can go uh, to TexasOneFund.com, uh, I believe, or is it .org? Is it .com? I think it's .com. Uh, but anyways, 
uh, please uh, consider that. Uh, literally, what, what they do uh, for folks nowadays is they engage student athletes in the community. So they go help. Uh, they make sure the student athletes are going uh, to, uh, to inner city schools or to Dell Children's Hospital or to those sorts of things and making an impact on the community. Uh, I think one of the things they've got coming up is with a, a, uh, uh, a, a hunger organization uh, that they're working with now as, as well. So, uh, look, uh, if you, you guys want to make a dent in the NIL uh, piece for the University of Texas and want to hear more about that, please visit TexasOneFund.com. Joe, your thoughts on the impact of NIL overall as it relates to college sports right now? You know, it's going to be a contributing factor to a lot of different recruitments. Uh, Texas doesn't want to be the contributing factor. It doesn't seem like either Steve Sarkeesian or Chris Beard, and I'm sure the same holds for uh, David Pierce and the rest of the the head coaches at Texas. They don't want that to be the topic number one. Um, but it's not, It's a it's a box you kind of have to check these days. Um, and I think the fact that now we have, I guess, the the term I'm throwing around, collective collective. Uh, they're all in one spot instead of having one. I think it was for baseball, basketball, football, you know, pancake factory, golf. Now they're all in one spot. And that not just helps those sports where, you know, maybe if you wanted to help baseball and football, you'd have to splinter your donations. Now it all goes there and it helps out, you know, women's tennis, and women's golf and everywhere else that the all the other sports that the athletic department sponsors. So um, obviously a great thing for Texas. You've seen Steve Sarkeesian mention it, I think, in recent weeks. Uh, even Chris Del Conte put his stamp on it as soon as it was announced. And I think I, I didn't get a chance to read um, his newsletter, but I think he mentions it there. Uh, the, the fact that the university and administrators and head coaches can put their own stamp of approval on it, it's a big deal and shows that, you know, there are other NIL avenues that uh, Texas players have taken, you know, via non I guess I don't want to say he's not in Lamborghini. That is the that's right. like the essential one. There, there are even some I think through like it's like I don't know exactly what it is. They they brand themselves in burn orange, and it's not like they're CD operations, but it's not the go-to place that Texas is trying to create with this Texas One Fund. Um, it, it's just such a huge help, and it and it shows the organization and the the want to by a lot of uh, burn orange involved people. What I like about uh, one of the things I like about the Texas One Fund, I like a lot of them uh, things because I think it's it's getting done the right way. But one of them I like is that they're looking for they don't necessarily they're not looking for the guys that want to give um, not just the guys that want to give a million dollars and have all this money. They're looking for small donations as little as five dollars a month, something like that, where people will feel part of that program. Uh, you go to the website, TexasOneFund.com, and just select the sport you want to donate to uh, and click on a donation amount. And literally, I think the donations can be as little as $5 a month in, in helping those guys out. So, all right. Hey, Joe, uh, good luck to the Longhorns tonight as they go up against Creighton at home. Uh, I imagine that is going to be a, a loud arena uh, tonight uh, with the students still uh, in, in school right now. Uh, and then uh, we'll be awaiting, I guess, Sunday we will expect uh, the bowl uh, announcements for where the Longhorns are going to be going. All right. Uh, for Joe Cook, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been this episode of On Texas Football. Thanks for watching and listening.